Alright guys, what's up? Welcome to episode 53 of Beef's Beef. Got another returning guest. Um, you guys may remember him from the NCAA tournament preview, so if you took it if you took his uh, if you took his advice and bet on Loyola Chicago, you can go ahead and thank him now when you listen to this episode. My buddy John O'Connell, how's it going, John? How you doing, man? Good to be back. Um, as we mentioned in the last episode, John's a huge Florida fan, uh, and it doesn't matter what sport it is. John's a Florida fan, regardless. College college Florida fan. Atlanta Braves fans got the Braves game on next to us. So, um, I thought, okay, I had Kentucky fans on last year for some of this stuff. I, I'm going to get someone that, no offense, Kentucky fans are listening, that has a, a football school that can actually talk about the SEC. Yeah, so, it, it's kind of funny because we are talking about football school, and I actually tried to get some more info on Kentucky football, and I went to their 247 page, yeah. and it, it doesn't even update daily. You go to some of these other football programs, and you can't even scroll down to see yesterday's news. It's, yeah, there's so much you stuff. Said, you said they had one update today, and then before that, it was like Tuesday, and like every other post was basketball. Yeah, so it's tough to get some of this <laughs> football information out of the University of Kentucky, I suppose. Yeah, so I mean, it's not just us that says that stuff. It's I mean, I guess it's everywhere. Uh, websites, ESPN, I mean, uh, 247, everybody. So, I have him on here because, I mean, he and uh, he and myself and Tony, we text all the time. We had a joke the other day about uh, this is the group text that never sleeps. And we're always talking about, like, random things. So, I was I decided probably about a month and a half or two months ago that I was going to do a preview of every, of every conference. Thought, okay, no one better to do... SEC than John so I mean looking the stuff that I've looked at you know I get I get the college football preview magazines every year always have always will it's just something I've done since I was like 12 years old uh, it was funny because my mom's always like well if I get you to read something that's fine I'll get you to do it and I would read these things front to back uh, and I still read them front to back it's just I don't know it's always interesting to me and I get do the same thing with the college basketball magazines I, I found a college football preview from like 2008 the other day that was, was like, a good year. Yeah, like, <laughs> for you, yeah. But I was like, it was crazy. It was I'm just finding random college football previews laying around. That I still have, but you look at any of the previews that you really look at it. It really has the same two teams at the top of the East and the West. Um, I mean, what you you we were talking about before we came on here, Georgia, and they actually Athlon has hasn't projected to not lose a game in the SEC. And projects Alabama to lose or to Alabama to beat them in the SEC championship. I mean, I'm guessing that's how you probably see it as well. Yeah, yeah, that is actually how I do see it. Uh, I know Georgia has a tough game, their first SEC games at South Carolina. That yeah. team's going to be much improved. They're they each year with much champ. They've gotten a little better, a little better. And if they could ever get their offense on track, which they switch office coordinators again this year. Hope you know for if you're a South Carolina fan, hopefully that this is the year where it finally comes all together. They have a shot to compete in that game, and that could that could ultimately decide the SEC East. I mean, first game of the season could decide the SEC East. That's kind of crazy to think. I do have a cousin that's a big uh, South Carolina fan. He listens to this, so he'll be happy to hear you give them uh, some pub. I mean, because Athlon's got them projected to go seven and five at South Carolina. That is four and four in the conference and finish third. Uh, crazy! I actually found this out yesterday. I actually helped coach a kid that plays for South Carolina football now. He's a, I think he's their third string running back. Okay. He he used to go to Moore. I was like, wow, I didn't realize he transferred down to like 
Bradenton, Florida, and turned himself into a ridiculous running back. He was like top one hundred uh, all purpose backs. Go to IMG. Uh, I, I don't no. It was like Bradenton Academy or something. I, I'm not exactly sure what school. I I looked it up after I got home because I went to see more play last night. So there's a lot of great players in. A, a big thing that, that we were just talking about, there's a lot of great quarterbacks in the SEC this year. Uh, I mean, Athlon has Tua as the first team. Tua from Alabama is the first team All-SEC. And then Drew Locke from Missouri and uh, Jared Stidham from Auburn. And I was talking, I was like, it's kind of funny because they have in their Heisman watch, they have uh, – the quarterback from Georgia, Jake uh, Fromm. Jake Fromm is the as number six on the Heisman watch, and then you only have him on any of the lists. And you're like, well, I mean, who do they got on there? And then you name the two the two other quarterbacks, and I was like, yeah, that's who they got on there. Yeah, I don't. Guys like Locke and Stidham. Well, Stidham's got a shot at being on a winning team, but someone like Locke, it's tough to win the Heisman if you're not really competing. Not only on your conference level, but a national level. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think we've seen that kind of with Lamar Jackson not repeating last year. Yeah. You know, the Louisville team didn't quite have the same hype as they had the year before, where, you know, they went down to Clemson. They beat Clemson. Who knows what can happen? Yeah. I mean, that team was actually vying for, you know, a spot in the playoffs, at, at, yeah. you know. And then you see a team like Drew Locke at Missouri. They're not really vying for that. So I, I can see why. You know, maybe you can be an all-SEC performer, but not quite on the Heisman list. You know, Jake Fromm, if he plays for a Georgia team that goes undefeated all the way up to the SEC championship game, you know, you're 12-0 and going into that game, the Heisman votes are already coming in at that point. Yeah. So. And at that point, I think they're already – they should be. Most of them have already votes. voted. Yeah, yeah, they usually get their votes in before championship weekend. And then you do that. I mean, you go to the – if you go to the SEC championship and lose to Alabama, you're probably going to the playoffs again. That would be my guess. I, don't, I mean, if not, if not, they're going to go right underneath this. Yeah, game. I'd say most years that's probably right. You, you never know because you could have maybe a, a undefeated team in the Big Ten and the, you know, the Big Twelve or the Pack, whatever they yeah, are. The what are they, the twelve, sixteen, where yeah. they call themselves now? Yeah. But <laughs> the team, the conference that has the conference the, out with. Yeah, the ones that used to have great teams in it that now they it, quote unquote beat each other up. But yeah, and I think if. Ever one of those teams was if you had several teams going defeated, then you wouldn't see two teams from the same conference yeah. go. And I'm actually an advocate where if you only have four teams, I'd rather not see two teams from the same conference go. I thought but, last year it was right though. I thought yeah, last year that I was mean if you were taking the four best teams, I, I I'm one of the people that thinks they should maybe change it to six or eight and have a couple wild cards in there. I think I'm not to go too much into it. I think they should go eight. Take your power five, even if they're even if they're bad. Take your power five winners. And then three of the three uh, doesn't matter what conference they are. I always if said the next three ranked and put them in there. I always said your power five winners, you take the best group outside of the power five, the best team that you, I guess if you want to take one of the rankings or something, take that team, and then two wild cards which could come from any conference. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. You, to yeah. me, you just have the, the next three. You just have them. It doesn't matter what conference they're in. If they're, they're the next highest three ranked teams. So let's just say the top five teams happen to be the top five teams. Just take six, seven, and eight, and that's who you put. That's the yeah, eight teams. Yeah. Then you seed it one through. I think that would, to me, that would that would end all conversation because now you have the power five conferences there. Okay, that's what you've built for anyway, and then you throw the the at large bids to the next three highest teams. And and I think there's less debate about it. Like the number four, who people, if you believe this team's number four and this team's five, you know they're probably more evenly matched than 
the eight and nine. There starts yeah. to become a little more differences, not as much splitting of hairs, and you can tell, actually see on paper or on with your eyes who's the actual better it's team. It's funny though, we say that, but you know, as soon as it goes to eight, people are like, it should be twelve, and it, 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 no one, it won't ever be completely perfect in a lot of people's eyes. But that's, I actually heard Bob Valvano mention that when they came out with the Ford, and I was like, that's actually a really good point. Um, so, the East scattered with a lot of teams that I'm pretty familiar with because. I have friends that are Kentucky fans. I have friends that are Florida fans like yourself. So I see these teams all the time. Yeah. The East, you start with Georgia. You've pretty much already given your, your kind of your rundown on Georgia. But if, if what's your – they lose two, maybe the best – or one of the best running back duos of all time. I won't say the best because that duo in Arkansas – actually, it was a trio in Arkansas. was ridiculous. And even the one out in USC at USC – was ridiculous, Lindell White and Reggie Bush. But that was a great running back duo. They lose both of them, but they still have, uh, what was he, a freshman last year? DeAndre Swift. Yeah. Vander Holyfield's son's still there. Yeah. And they actually brought in a freshman, Zamir White, who he comes from, a lot of my family's from North Carolina, small town right outside where they live. But uh, And he's going to be an absolute stud, but this week he tore his ACL for the second time. He oh, tore, wow. He missed most of his senior year and t- – Top top six recruit in the country, and uh, so that's kind of a little blow for him. But I, DeAndre Swift comes down to it; he he can he can carry the load. So just to give a quick rundown, if, before we go into what your thoughts are on every team, what what projected order do you have the East after Georgia? I have the projected order. Your cousin might might not like it. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> but I like Georgia one, Florida two. SEC, sorry, South Carolina three, Missouri four, and then I kind of have a toss up: UK, Tennessee five six, Vandy seven. Um, I mean, I, I can the thing you you convinced me with Missouri being up here above Kentucky because if you showed me what happened in their last what five games I think it was. Yeah, it was their last six games of last year. They yeah. scored forty five plus points. Won all six. They went to the bowl game and, and lost, lost there. to Texas, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, they play a SEC st- or sorry, not a, they play a Big Twelve style where where they came from. Yeah, just in the SEC and last season they just caught fire and they have the quarterback to, to do that again. I mean, yeah. it's a team where you you know, your defense better bring their A game because I mean, they'll give up points, but Missouri's going to get their points as well. Yeah. So, Georgia, give your let's, what what is your? I mean, do you, you agree with what most pundits are saying? They'll go undefeated till they play Alabama. Yeah, like I said, they have a they have a, they're going to have a tough one uh, against South Carolina to open the season. They got a, what I think will be a completely different Florida team in Jacksonville. You know, those are two. Two games, which you know you could stumble in. It's a long season; you never know how injury's going to go. But you know, if you look at the odds, I would say yeah, they're they're going eight and zero through SEC play. So moving down, we'll go to uh, South Carolina next. We'll leave Florida for last because we'll let you talk a little bit more about Florida. So South Carolina, what's your what's your thoughts on South Carolina and, and what you think kind of their see how their season's going to go? I guess you kind of gave kind of. Showed your cards a little bit there with with the uh, talking about the the second game of the season playing against Georgia. Um, they changed offensive coordinators, like I said. So I'm curious to see what their offense finally looks like. But they they had they they've recruited decent, not as good as they they did maybe five years ago when they had that run where they were 
one of the better teams in the East, but they've recruited better. They have, I mean, Muschamp's a defensive guy. That defense is going to be stout year in year out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I said if they could if they could find a way to get the offense going, turning. Uh, I got the what's his name, Debo Samuel, coming back. It he's yeah, they're wide receiver. Yeah, he's a game breaker. I think got hurt towards the end of last year, but he's a game breaker type player, and you know and he wasn't even their leading receiver last year. Uh, they have, they still have their leading receiver back in Brian Edwards, um, so I mean they actually have their top four receivers back. So I mean they have eight starters back on offense and five on defense, and I mean Athlon projects them seven and five, four and four. But like you said, all it takes is just one one play this way or that way, and they can stumble their way into the win in the East. Exactly, and and I, I see them more as an eight and four, nine and three type team. They play Georgia. They play Clemson at the end of the year. So, I mean, those two, they'll probably lose. You know, maybe you stumble once more along the way. But they play Coastal Carolina, Marshall, Vanderbilt, Kentucky. They do play Missouri, which you never know. Tennessee, Ole Miss. I mean, they have a pretty favorable draw. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, your two, your two tough teams or your two tough games there. You have, That's the thing, though, with, with playing – your tough game at the beginning of the season, you really it catches the other team off guard because they really haven't caught their bearings yet. Uh, if you're Georgia, you're hoping you kind of get all your mistakes out of the way against Austin P, which is a team that doesn't matter. You can just show up and beat. But you go to South Carolina, so not only is it the second game of the season on the road, but it's the second game of the season, and you're playing a conference opponent that could beat you. So, moving from there, I mean, you said you had. Uh, after them, you said you had uh, Missouri? Yeah. And, like I said, we talked about Missouri a little bit already. That offense is – they're going to put up points. Drew Locke, I know they got fantasy college football out there. Go ahead and draft Drew Locke. Yeah. Drew Locke's just going to light him up? He's going he's gonna, to you know, get his – they're going to get their stat. He threw for 44 touchdowns, 13 interceptions last year, just shy of 4,000 yards. I mean, he's, he's, he's a ball player. And – Against a lot of these teams, they may very well be down. They go through a stretch where they play Georgia, South Carolina, Alabama all in a row. Yeah. And you play those three in a row, you're likely going to be trailing. So Drew Locke, Drew Locke is certainly going to be slinging the ball. And around. don't uh, not only that, don't don't look over that. Uh, oh, the game before the game Purdue. Before that. Oh, I, I, it's I, not only that; it's at Purdue. Exactly. And last year they were the favorite to Purdue, and look at the score of that game: thirty-five to. 35 to 3, funny story. My buddy is a huge Purdue fan. And we were talking about Missouri the other night. And uh, when we were when we were talking about it, he said that he went to the he was or he was going to, he was going to the game or no, he wasn't going to the game. He was going to watch the game. He's with another one of my buddies and he said, "Hey, what's this what's your uh, what's your guy got as a spread?" And he was like, "Missouri Missouri's 14 point favorite or something." He said, "Take take Purdue." He was like, like the cover. He's like, no, nah, take Purdue to win, put a hundred bucks on it. He was like, are you serious? He's like, yeah. So he said he's pretty happy after that. Not only that, he's a Purdue fan, and they won, but he won two hundred or he won a hundred bucks off that. So I thought that was a pretty funny story. But I mean, you move from there, they got they got blasted in really three straight games. The there. first half of the year was rough, but then they they turned it around. Something clicked. <laughs> 72 points in the first game of the season last year. That honestly looks like it would be a basketball score because it was 72 to 43. Yes. And then and then they lose four five straight 
And, and then they turn around and win six straight. And yeah. yeah. It's Jekyll and Hyde if, I, if I've ever seen one. So, Missouri, I mean, I feel like your two teams there, you've kind of convinced me on South Carolina and Missouri on teams that could maybe make noise. Make, I mean, who knows? I mean, they'll, Missouri loses lock after this year, I believe. Don't they? I think Correct. Yeah, Correct. so you can't really say they're one year out, but, I mean, who knows? Maybe South Carolina's year's coming up or something. Um, well, moving down, we have – we'll go we'll – we'll leave uh, Kentucky and Florida for the last two in the East. So, I guess, what, you got Tennessee after that? Yeah, Tennessee, uh, another team with a coaching change. Uh, I don't know if you – guys remember the whole debacle they had there but they tried to hire Greg Schiano and the Tennessee fans student body went absolutely nuts basically protested it forced their hand away from hiring Greg Schiano Uh, after about a month and missing and missing on coach after coach they finally landed on Jeremy Pruitt which probably is someone they should have targeted originally yeah but he's going to be a good get I mean uh He's coached at Florida State, Alabama. He's won big games there as an assistant. Uh, he's going to be a big-time recruiter. He was huge in Alabama for bringing a lot of those big-name players in. and He almost pulled in some big-name guys at Tennessee down the stretch, uh, even with a limited amount of time. Um, at Tennessee is – maybe their time is in the future as well because like, they have Jeremy Pruitt who's – that's – that's from uh, – it was defensive coordinator at Alabama, right? Yeah, Brian just said that. But defensive coordinator at Alabama, so maybe he brings what Tennessee needs is just a defense. And because it seems like Tennessee's always got offensive players, but they just never can stop anybody. Yeah, and they're switching – they're switching uh, – their style of offense should change. They got Jarrett Guantanamo, who uh, is a returning player, but they brought in a grad transfer. And Garantano was a Gar- – Garantano – was a was a big time recruit, so to then bring in a grad transfer and kind of kind of push him to the side. It seems like I, I don't know if that's necessarily the best choice. I think you know you bring Jared in, you let him get the lumps with this team as it grows, rather yeah. than bring a grad transfer in. And it's almost like they're trying to win now because I mean I don't even I don't even know who Keller Christ is, but that's they have him listed as a starter in here. But yeah, I mean I agree with you. If you're building for the future. And you have a guy that's that highly touted coming out of high school. I'm with you. Let him take his lumps and let him run my offense and learn my offense so that, I mean, he's only going to be a sophomore. And that's a true sophomore. Yeah. So let him be a true sophomore in this offense and run this offense to the best of his ability. And, yeah, I, I agree with you totally. Let, let him take his lumps and, and, and build on this because, I mean, you only have four starters back on offense. And I believe Chris transferred in from Stanford. I was trying to verify that, but I'm pretty sure it was Stanford. Stanford, yeah. So I mean, Stanford wasn't bad last year, really. But I don't know. It just seems like it's a win. If that's different, it, to me, that's like you're a team that's like Alabama or something. If you don't have a quarterback or something, you know, like a team that okay, we have every other position. Yeah, we can you're win really, this year. You're you really, get somebody like that. Exactly. You're really on the verge of of making some noise, and uh. As like uh, we mentioned, tough schedules. They have a stretch where they go, where they play Florida at home, at Georgia, at Auburn, Alabama at home, and then at South Carolina. And then that tough one, Charlotte too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They they finish off. They should they they could very well win their last four games. Maybe become bowl eligible. 
<laughs> they they have a legit. They, they definitely built the last part of their schedule to try to get them bowl eligible. <laughs> yeah. Like, hey, let's move all these four games to the end of the season to where we can try to save our season. But you wonder if uh, after that stretch of games, I don't know, say they go one and four, zero oh and five, and their records, you know, obviously not looking great. If they go ahead and just put it back, Garantano back in and yeah. let him. Uh, let him play the remainder of the season out I mean, and get that experience. That would make sense. I I agree with you talk, wholeheartedly. I don't I don't know why you go after a grad transfer when you're when you're trying to just you're a first year coach and you I, I don't I we 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 can beat it like a dead horse, but it or but yeah, it just doesn't make sense. So the next one, I'm sure you have a lot about them, uh, Vanderbilt. This is um I really like their coach. Yeah. Derek Mason, I really like him, and he—I he, mean, he's, he's a defensive guru. But that team is—that team was really bad last year, and they got no better. Recruiting did them no favors. I mean, it's a tough place to recruit. Like, uh, you know, you, you hear about Notre Dame, you got to have these grades. Stanford, yeah. you got to have the Vandy's another one of those schools where you—you you just can't play football and get in. You got to be smart, play football. You know. And the other thing is, is they don't have the history that Notre Dame has or some of these other schools like Duke has in basketball to where, all right, you know, I need to try to get my grades up so I can yeah. go there. Exactly. Like they, it's like, I'm not going to try to get my grades up to go to Vanderbilt. When, when I think of Vandy, you know that commercial, some we go pro and things other than sports. That's, <laughs> that's, that's, Vanderbilt. that's why you go to Vandy. Yeah, because you're going pro in something other than sports. I agree with you, yes. So... We'll let, we'll go with uh, Kentucky next. Kentucky actually took a huge blow, um, losing their second best player because their best player. I, the I, best player is definitely running back Benny Snell, yeah. but they lost uh, Landon Young today, I believe, to an ACL injury, or maybe it was yesterday, but uh, I, I saw it today to an ACL injury. And uh, I mean, there's good news and bad news. Obviously, Landon Young's a very good player, so that's the bad news. But uh, the good news is offensive line is probably their deepest and best position. Yeah. Um, um, but they lose their top five wide receivers from last year. <laughs> That's they nice. lose both quarterbacks from last year. So, uh, so yeah, they got some. They got some work to do. It's they got their work cut out for them. Um, Benny Snell, I do think is will likely lead the conference in rushing. Uh, I don't know if he'll lead the conference in touchdowns or anything like that because. I have a tough time seeing them move the ball, other than him running. Yeah. You know, um, they they did bring in two quarterbacks, uh, Terry Wilson and Gunnar Hogue. Terry Wilson, yeah. if you're a last chance U fan, was actually played against Independence on. Yeah, that. and he originally was a Oregon commit, went went the uh, JUCO route, and uh, ended up there. Ended up here in Kentucky. Uh, I actually, as a Florida fan. Thought he would have been great in Dan Mullen's system, so when there was a chance he could visit Florida, I was like, okay, this gets interesting. But I also got to look a little more into him because of that, and the guy's completion percentage is, I believe, forty-seven. That's pretty so, solid. Th- yeah, that's that's tough. So you want to open you want to open the running lanes for Benny Snell, right? Yeah. Well, odds are you can't do that with a quarterback that throws completes only forty-seven percent of his passes. You'll be in third and long. They're going to stack the box and. That's going to hurt Benny Snell. And so I think Gunnar Hoke ends up winning this job just for the fact that he, he's the he's the better passer. Um, the only thing you got to hope with Terry Wilson is that they just switch their offense completely and run. Because, which would make sense with what they've lost on offense 
with the good offensive line is maybe they run the read option with Terry Wilson. And with a running back at his talent, you could definitely do that. Uh, it's just if we're if they're staying with yeah, we want to try to stay equal. Yeah, I agree with you 100. percent They're going to have to go with the backup with the guy that throws 47. percent And uh, I do like Lynn Bowden, wide receiver, sophomore. He was a freshman last year. I mean, he's kind of a you know like a Swiss Army knife, do everything. Yeah, it's kind of funny because it has their leading passer passer from last season. This Lynn Bowden. Yeah, he's a Swiss three, Army knife. I mean, four, ninety-two could, yards and a pick. Yeah, you could throw him up. You could throw him in the backfield. I believe uh, he may have had a long touchdown pass. Or not touchdown, but a long pass against Florida last year. At least he threw a long pass, I believe. Um, I said he, he's the type of player that could be a game breaker. One of those guys you got a game plan for, keep an eye on. Um, I do like a couple of their defensive players. I'm, I'm sure everyone that's a Louisville fan listening, uh, Jordan Jones. Yeah, I'm sure they absolutely hate him after what him and Lamar got into. But yeah. but is he as, the one that threw the garbage can? I don't know if he's the one that threw. The, he's the one that got into the wrestling match with them. Oh yeah, I'm not. I'm not a fan of that guy. Yeah, <laughs> but overall, I mean, it's not typically his attitude. I mean, he just had a piss poor attitude for about a three drive, and they just took him out of the game after that. Well, he but, actually he actually got uh, ejected in the bowl game. And as much as I hated to say it, it was an absolute joke that he got ejected in that game. Yeah. Because I couldn't stand him, and I was like, because I my buddy Smitty was at the game, and he was like, Do what? Look what happened?" I said that was a joke. That was a horrible call, <laughs> and it just happened to be him. And I was like, "Wait, never mind. It was a great call." But I, I do like him. He's a good sideline to sideline linebacker, uh, defensive back Chris Westry, six four, wiry corner. I mean he. He's he's a ball player. I like him. Came out of the state of Florida. Uh, another one I thought the Gators should have should have tried to land. They do have they do have eight defensive players back, and they do have seven returning starters on offense. But like you said, they lost their whole receiving core, and they don't have yeah. You, pass. Yeah, they returned their offensive line, Benny Snell, and uh, <laughs> I believe Dorian Baker. So they have they have one starter on here is Taven Richardson, which is their. Returning receiver at 27 receptions and 371 yards and a touchdown. So, I'm guessing he was number six <laughs> on their leading receivers. Uh, because, yeah, they have five ahead of him on here as well. So, Kentucky, where, where do you, you had them projected to be, what, second to last? I, yeah, well, I've – in the, Or third to last. Third to last, kind of them, Tennessee, kind of, you know, duking it out. Uh, if I had a – I don't know, what – not knowing the whole quarterback situation right now, I'd probably give Tennessee the little better edge because I think they have more overall talent there. But both teams are going to have a little quarterback controversy, which if you take away the few teams in SC that got these stellar quarterbacks, everyone else has a quarterback controversy. Yeah, and I mean, even even Alabama, I, which is crazy that you don't call it a controversy. We'll talk about that in a minute. But it's every it's that's all you hear about on ESPN when you're talking about college football is the quarterback controversy in Alabama. So that's it's crazy to think about that. It's scary to think about potentially Alabama with a ridiculously good quarterback because you can't really think of one that's really been outside yeah. of just maybe above a game manager. Yeah, Greg Greg McElroy is probably uh, during this title run that they've had probably the best quarterback they've had. Yeah, and he was a glorified game manager. Exactly. That's all and that's all really he needs. Now you put a ridiculously good quarterback out there with him. I how, how do you even beat him? Like it's 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 going to be ridiculous. So 
Last team in the East. It's not last place projection-wise, but I'm leaving them last in the East because it's your favorite team. So I figured you'd have a lot more to say about them. So you had you had Florida projected two or three. Just you, you had them in South Carolina where, it could, like you said, one play could really turn it either way for either one of them. So what's your, what's your thoughts on Florida with new coach coming in from Mississippi State, Dan Mullen? Well, obviously Dan Mullen used to be the offensive coordinator there, so he, he knows the expectation. He knows the program inside and out. He knows where the leadership at Florida wants the program to be. Um, I say he he spent four years there before he went to Mississippi State, and you know, I don't know if people realize how bad Mississippi State was before he got there. Oh yeah, I mean that that was how we don't have anything to say much about Vandy football. That was Mississippi State, except it was even worse. And he goes there, and at one point they were the number one team in the country two years, yeah. two three years ago. That was with Dak Prescott, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. And, and you got to look at the quarterbacks he's developed. Uh, Alex Smith at Utah, NFL. Uh, Dak Prescott, Mississippi State, uh, NFL. Has now. Nick Fitzgerald. Nick Fitzgerald. He'll be in the NFL. I don't. I mean, I can't say he'll be a star in the NFL or anything yeah. like that, but he'll he'll get drafted. Um, he is the original co- uh, coach that Cam Newton had. Um, you're talking about Tim Tebow. I mean, the guy's coached and recruited some. Pretty good quarterbacks, yeah. and they call him a quarterback guru, and that's exactly where the whole start of it all for Florida is. What are they going to do with the quarterback position? So who who do you guys who do you in your in your projection do you think they still they stick with Franks or do you think they they go a different route with their quarterback? Right, you got three quarterbacks buying for the job. You got Felipe Franks, Kyle Trask, and freshman uh, incoming freshman Emory Jones. He uh. Enrolled early, so he's been there since you know January. Yeah. Uh, I don't think Emory Jones has a shot at winning the job, but no matter who the starting quarterback is, I think he'll have a Tim Tebow type package. Where Tebow's freshman year, I don't know if everyone remembers, Chris Leak yeah. would play a majority of the game, but there'd be two series a game where Tim Tebow would come in or situational. You know, oh, it's third and one, we need a yard. Okay, quarterback draw. Local well, people compare it to Lafleur's Brom, something yeah. like that. Where exactly? Yeah, it's it's. Which, with, with something like this, when you have a coach coming in and you're trying to piece together what you have, this is totally different than what we're talking about with uh, with Tennessee. Like, this is – you're piecing together what you have. You're trying to figure out which guy's going to be better for my offense. And, and it's funny you, men- <coughs> you mentioned that because Joe Burrows, the quarterback who transferred to LSU, he would have came to Florida in a heartbeat. I mean, imagine going to virtually – Urban Meyer, Dan Mullen. That's the same offense. He would have automatically inserted to the starting quarterback in an offense he already knows. And but Florida, Florida actually refused to take him because they wanted to develop what they had. Um, they do have, like I said, the quarterbacks Felipe Franks, Kyle Trask. That's probably ultimately where your starter lies. I do think it'll still be Felipe Franks. Um, he's got the experience. Kyle Trask, probably little known fact for anyone, has hasn't started a football game since middle school. <laughs> that's kind of crazy. Yeah, he uh, a D one backup and. I mean, he obviously got recruited. Yeah, he, he was a three-star recruit. Uh, it's McIlwain looking for a gym somewhere. He, he saw him at a camp, was impressed with his arm strength, his arm motion, thought it was something he could develop into a you know, great quarterback. Uh, he actually played behind a guy that went to TCU to be a wide receiver, so it was like a running system they kind of had. Um, but So I, I have to go with Franks just for the fact that Trash has zero experience. I don't know if the offense really suits him. I don't see him being a, a mobile guy. 
Franks has deceptive speed. We saw him against Texas A&M reel off an 80-yard run where he kind of died at the end and got hawked down from behind. But yeah. but ultimately, I do think it's Frank's job. And if for some reason Florida's season went down the drain halfway through it, I see Emory Jones taking it the rest of the way. And with this new redshirt rule, you can get a guy like Emory Jones feet wet for the first four games or so right. and then be like, ah, okay, we don't need to use him anymore in redshirt. Or even throw him the last four games if, if your season exactly. does take a dump and, and say, hey, we're going to play you the last four games of the season or last three regular season games and then a bowl game if you make it and say, oh, well, we're redshirting him. I like the rule. I think it's going to help a lot of teams. And so I agree with you totally. It's it's definitely going to benefit teams that are in like Florida situation. Exactly. And uh, you think about the some of the other skill positions. They they have athletes. Their running back position absolutely loaded. The wide receiver position absolutely loaded. Uh, you look at running back. Jordan Scarlett almost ran for a thousand yards two two years ago, splitting the carries with three other running backs. Yeah. And then he missed last year part of that credit card. Uh, fraud scheme that happened where nine Gators missed the whole season. Yeah. Virtually every one of those nine was a starter, so you could kind of start to see why Florida season went down the drain so quick. You lose your top running back, you lose two two of your reserve linebackers, then once they had an injury linebacker, they were just completely thin, had to throw walk-ons out there. They were playing with two walk-on linebackers at one point. But, to be fair though, it kind of happened for perfectly for Fans like you, who now you get Dan Mullen back, who is somebody you would much rather have than oh, absolutely, yeah, so, catch twenty two, I take it all day. Uh, it sucks. It sucks to see your team go four and seven and have a losing record in the SEC, but to have all the ten starters back on offense yeah, and you, then have a coach that's just going to hit the ground running on offense is probably something that. Yeah, like you said, a catch twenty two, it could be very nice. And then, like I said, you got Jordan Scarlett running back, Lamichael P. Ryan. He's a junior who, if this whole credit card scheme doesn't happen. Jordan Scarlett likely turns pro last year, which means LaMichael P. Ryan is the back this year. But instead, LaMichael P. Ryan's probably looking third or fourth in the carries chart. Uh, you look at Malik Davis. He got hurt midway through last year. He still ran for probably about, off the top of my head, probably five, 600 yards. Uh, they have P. Ryan as the leading rusher returning. But like you said, they had Scarlett. They have Scarlett one on the depth chart here in the yeah, half magazine. He'll be, and they have P. Ryan second. P. Ryan ran for 562, so I'd say probably closer to 500 if he was the leading rusher returning. And then you got Damian Pierce, incoming freshman. Uh, this guy was actually committed to Bama, decommitted, and switched to Florida. And he's the prototypical Bama back, big, strong. I mean, he, he'll run through a wall. He's, he's, he's going to be a monster. I don't know if it'll necessarily be this year, but definitely in the future. So what do you – what do you if you had to pick, if you went through Florida's schedule, what do you – Let's let's. I'll I'll read you their schedule. We'll start. We'll actually start uh, the second game because I'm giving you guys Charleston Southern. <laughs> so we'll go Kentucky at home. You think a win? Win. Colorado State at home. Win. At Tennessee. Win. At Mississippi State. This is where I'll actually take a loss. If I had to project a, 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 this game right here, I, I guess this is probably this is their first ranked road game. They'll play Tennessee on the road. That, that's the only road game prior. But your second consecutive road game is going to be a team that wants to beat Dan Mullen more than anything. He yeah. just left there. These guys want want some type of revenge. Uh, I, I could I could see this one as a loss. Now, if they win this one, this is one of those situations where the season turn. You know, talk about South Carolina, Florida. You give a game here or there. The whole season. This is where the season could turn around because then your next game's LSU. And I, 
I think they beat LSU. I, yeah. I don't. I'm not high on LSU one bit. And then you go down to the next game, Vanderbilt. You could you could potentially go into Georgia undefeated, undefeated and be a top ten team. Exactly, and see, and that's why I say if one play here or there, and then Georgia is a rivalry game. I mean, Georgia's been better than Trayon Harris beat Georgia. Trayon Harris was one of the worst quarterbacks in Florida history, and he beat Georgia as a true freshman. So you, it's a rivalry game. You never know what could happen. Yeah, I mean, look at the year Lamar won the Heisman. There's no way Kentucky should have beaten Louisville. No, it was at it was same. at Papa John's Cross Stadium. Louisville had beaten, had played with way better teams in in Kentucky. So you're absolutely right. Rivalry games, you throw everything out the window. A team could be terrible, doesn't matter. It's a rivalry game. Um, so you move from there, you go to uh, Missouri at home. Or I'm sorry. Well, I didn't uh, say the Georgia game. Right now, I'll go ahead and say loss. So I got them at two losses right so now. So two losses, <laughs> and then you go uh, Missouri at home. Uh, I do think they, I do think they win, and I, I think this team is going to be amped to play this game for the fact that Missouri embarrassed them last year. They played Missouri right after they fired McIlwain. Yeah, and there were forty-five, sixty. Yeah, it, it was it was bad. It was like I said, it was right after they fired McIlwain. They were just coming off that Georgia loss, and I, I think these guys want that game pretty bad compared to most years. Usually, they probably look over Missouri, but I think they're going to. And I think something you also have to add into that hunger is some of the players coming back. You said Jordan Scarlett. How many of the other guys are coming back from that scandal from last year? Is it just Scarlett? No, only two are gone. Two so players. So you have seven players coming back, and you said all of them were starters. Uh, starters are like your they were one and two on the depth chart. You you were so looking at you have to this. You all could be honestly very scary in the East with how many with how many weapons you all have and athletes you guys have. I didn't realize that whenever I was looking at all this stuff because as a casual fan just looking, I would have never known that Jordan Scarlett was part of that. Yeah. And that that's why I have people like you on here. So Kirk Herstory actually called them his surprise team last night. It could ha- it definitely could happen looking more into this and listening to more about them. It could definitely happen. Well, And then what thing, that thing, I don't know if it shows the project. Where's, who's the safe for the projected wide receivers in that magazine? Uh, Van Jefferson. Tyree Cleveland, okay. Kadarius Tony, and then backups are Josh Hammond, Freddie Swain, and Dre, and Dre Macy. When that was written, they pro- Van Jefferson might have already been cleared. He he just transferred from Ole Miss after their scandal. They also got Trayvon Grimes from Ohio State. He was a top yeah. top fifty recruit coming out, he, uh, borderline almost five star receiver, big guy. He's gonna slide right in there to the, one of those top three spots. So instantly. Out of transfers, you just got two of your starting three wide receivers, and both of them are big play guys. They're they're day one impact players. So you gain that. You add that to all your starters returning. You add those two receivers, and Tyree Cleveland, who was your virtually your only downfield threat, now becomes almost your third wide receiver. Yeah, and twenty two receptions for four hundred ten yards and two touchdowns last year. And he, I believe, he missed three games with injury. So I mean, it has him and Josh Hammond back as a starter, but. I mean, you bring in two big weapons, like you're saying, with uh, Jefferson and Grimes. It's especially Grimes coming from Ohio State, like you just mentioned earlier. Urban Meyer's offense, Dan Mullen's offense. Very similar be, systems. Very, very similar. So, I, I, I can kind of agree here with Herb Street that you all could definitely surprise a lot of people with how much you all have back. So, moving from Georgia, you got Missouri, so you think they're going to win. This is going to be one of those toss-up games, I'm guessing, with South Carolina. Yeah. Luckily, you got them at home. Yeah, but I'm actually going to put a loss for now. 
because, like I said, I projected them to go nine and three, and they're not losing to Florida State this year. Yeah, so yeah, you have <laughs> Idaho, and then see, this is a big thing. I mean, I'm going to go into it more whenever I do the ACC preview. There's a lot of people that are very, very high on Florida State, and I my only question is why. I you're going to have a quarterback controversy with a guy coming back from an ACL injury. With James Blackman, a true freshman, and it's a system built for Francois more than it is Blackman. But you got Taggart. Everyone, he's a great recruiter, awesome recruiter. I mean, he's going to bring in top five, top ten classes year in year out there. But how good of a coach is he actually? His career record is forty-seven and fifty. Well, people are directly going to say, "Oh, well, that's because he was at Western Kentucky. That's yeah. because he was at South Florida." Well, let's not act like when he was at Western Kentucky, he played an SEC schedule. He played a Western Kentucky schedule. When he was at South Florida, he played a South Florida schedule. He went to Oregon last year, his first time playing a big-time college football schedule, a typical Power 5 schedule. He went 6-6. Six and six. And see, that's the other thing that you, you you say that. You say that his career record is 47-50. Well, I mean, you could go back to Brom. Look at Brom's record. I mean, Brom coached at Western. Brom was at Western before he took over Purdue, and I would guarantee you that his that his uh, winning percentage is definitely better than 47 and 50. And he took over for Brom, right? Or did Brom take over for him? At South Florida? No. Or at, at Western, Western. Kentucky? Uh, I guess Brom took over for him because he went to South no, Florida. No, Brom took over for uh, Petrino. Petrino took over for him. Hmm. That's 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 where it was. So it, I, I don't agree with the, well, he was at Western Kentucky thing because, like you said, they're not playing an SEC schedule. Although they do play, they did play Kentucky a couple times, and so. But I mean, I mean you look t- at Brahms. You look at Brahms' uh, career record. His record is thirty-seven and sixteen, and his record last year was seven and six. And he did that in the Big Ten. Yeah. You know, he didn't do that. I mean, which is equivalent to what Taggart did. Taggart was six and six. Didn't coach the bowl because he, because he took the, a new job, but. I mean, like I said, he's forty-seven and fifty. In one of those years, I believe he was ten and three at South Florida. You take away that one good year, all of a sudden you're looking at a coach that's thirty-seven and forty-seven. It's it, yeah. It's it doesn't it doesn't make sense. I'm not giving that guy a pass for coaching. At and Western. every coach that took over for Taggart at you know at Western at uh, South Florida actually did better than Taggart did with virtually the same team, you know, the following season. Yeah, Petrino, uh, South Florida, Charlie Strong, I guess. And now Oregon, I guess that remains to be seen. But I don't know. So moving over to the West, I mean, there's not really much to say from – I don't really think anybody in their right mind would say anyone's going to beat Alabama. No, I absolutely think Alabama's your your number one team over there. And I don't – no one's even close, really. I mean, Auburn's going to be a good team, but this is probably the first year in a long time they can't. You can't just look at Auburn's team and say, "Oh, he's the ball carrier." You know, you you go to Carry On Johnson, you can go Cam Newton, Michael Dyer the years before. You always they always had a ball carrier, someone you knew they were going to get the ball to. It's probably the first year where it's kind of up in the air. Who's that guy that's going to handle the ball? They do have a good quarterback, Jarrett Stidham, but obviously he can't do it all himself. Yeah, so I mean, their their returning rusher had 453 yards last year, in uh, Cam Martin. But um, like I like I mentioned earlier, there is a quarterback controversy in Alabama, even though you don't think there is. No. Uh, for me, it's kind of tough 
But then, I mean, you brought up some very good points, which John always does with stats. John's a big stats guy like myself, so anytime we can throw stats at each other, it's always going to happen. And I said, I don't know if I'm ready to jump on the Tua bandwagon. I don't, I'm don't. i not saying that he's bad, but I, don't, I wasn't ready to give him his credit yet. And then he pulls up the box score from the championship game. He's like, he threw for 166 yards, or 162 yards in one half. Yeah. And three touchdowns and – and, uh, and it wasn't against just anyone. Yeah, it was against it was against a very good Georgia defense. And I was like, all right, John, I don't have anything to say to that. And then he points out, and he's like, well, you were just talking about how you thought Fromm was good, and he puts up Fromm's stats. I'm like, all right, he had a good game. All right, <laughs> so, but you're still benching the guy that's only lost two games for you. And I know that he did not have a good half. But he had a bad, bad game against Auburn, too, which, I, which we also didn't mention. But what, what makes some of these good coaches so good is seeing the issues ahead of time. Like, when yeah. you look at the New England Patriots, so you're a big Patriots guy, so yeah. you see this. They don't wait to trade guys. Yeah. They trade, you know, Brandon Cooks, eh, I don't know if it's going to work, gone. You know, all these defensive players that were first-round picks at one point looking good, all yeah. of a sudden New England abruptly trades them. Two years later, these guys aren't even heard of again. And, you know, it, good coaches see things like this in advance. Jalen Hurts was 3-for-8, 21 yards in the national championship at halftime. Yeah. Uh. They were what, did they even score? No, they were shut out in the first half. So obviously, uh, Saban sees this and he's like, "Well, obviously, Hertz isn't going to win this game for us. What can I do?" And you bring in a, a quarterback that was a, a number one dual threat quarterback coming out of high school. This guy can run and throw. He's got a really good arm. He's very athletic, and he showed it in that game against Georgia. Like I said, fourteen for twenty four, one sixty six, three touchdowns, and interception. I mean. You look at his production versus Hurts, they each played the same team for equal amount of time just about. I mean, you give one extra drive to Tua for OT, but, I mean, it was night and day how each team looked when they were on the field. It was ridiculous how much better they did look in the second half. And I don't know if it was – I mean, who knows? Maybe maybe we're wrong and it was just, all right, it's just, just a change and we know this guy can throw a little bit, so they got a little bit hyped up or – Maybe it's just maybe it is just the talent gap. I felt like it chose Georgia's scheme to change because they were like, all right, we got a young guy in, and they blitzed aggressively. Well, Tua actually was smart. He would find his outlets. He was getting the ball out quick. Uh, and Alabama actually made a lot of changes in this game. They brought in several freshmen across the board. They swapped out their left tackle, put in a true freshman, Alex Leatherwood. Uh, second half, Najee Harris played. He was a true freshman. Uh, Devontae Smith, true freshman. Henry Ruggs, true freshman. Jerry Judy, true freshman. All those guys were true freshmen last year. All big-time guys. And you're talking about bringing every single one of those guys back. Sure, they lose Calvin Ridley, but Tua's got I'm weapons. I'm going to be honest with you, man. I was not really impressed with Calvin Ridley. I think Calvin Ridley was uh, – I, I don't know. like Because when Amari Cooper was coming out, like you saw stuff from, from Amari Cooper. Yeah. Calvin Ridley in big games, to me, never really impressed me that much. I felt like he didn't quite have the explosiveness of some of their – better receivers that come out in recent years. Like or the physica- they, He didn't have the physicality or the burst of Julio. You know, he wasn't physical with the same burst as Amari Cooper. But you bring in these freshmen, like Devontae Smith, I mean, that guy's an absolute speed demon. Henry Ruggs, that'd probably be your special teams kickoff returner, punt returner. Uh, Jerry Judy, physical, big, fast. Jerry Judy's the next great one out of Alabama. I'm going to go ahead and we'll, put we'll, that in we'll right, go ahead right mark, now. We'll go ahead and go mark ahead that, mark that down. down. Jerry, Jerry Judy. Jerry Judy. He's next, a Florida the, kid too. The next, maybe that's why. Maybe that's why John says it. But hey, you know what? If he calls it, he calls it. So 
Jerry Judy, you guys heard it here first, is the next big Alabama receiver. So, moving on from Alabama, because like we said, we wanted to talk about the quarterback thing a little bit. But, second, you got Auburn? Yeah, I do have Auburn. I, uh, even though I don't think they're going to be as good as they were last year, they are still a talented team, uh, especially on the defensive side of the ball. They constantly recruited defense well. Um, but what I like is Joey Gatewood. Uh, he's a dual-threat quarterback. He's listed as an athlete, incoming freshman. Um, this guy, you guys may hate it, but this is Lamar Jackson. He's that fast. He's big. I mean, let's see. I think I believe I have his 40-time written down. So. They have, I guess they have him as their third-string quarterback on here. He, well, he's an athlete, so he, who knows when he's actually going to see the field. So that you're you're saying, are you giving him uh, a chance to maybe play? Oh, I absolutely give him a chance to play. Let's see what I got written down. I thought I had it written down. He runs a as a senior in high school. He ran a four five one forty, and that was at one of the laser timed ones. So that's a legit four five forty. That's not I hand time someone running a four four and. When you, when you do laser timing, that's way more accurate. He laser timed a four five one. The kid's what six four. He's got good size. He's still learning the throwing part, and obviously a lot of Louisville fans gonna you know Lamar Jackson went through those growing pains until yeah. he developed you know to his you know when he his freshman year he had a lot more bumps throwing the ball. Sophomore yeah. year was a little less, and you know he got a lot more comfortable. And that's the path Joey Gatewood's going to be on. He's not going to come in and absolutely dominate a game right away, but. He could, with his legs, easily take over. You could put him read options, stuff like that. He's going to be a very, very good player. And I, I still wish we would have seen what Lamar could run. I, I, but the thing is, is you throw out that he's six foot four. That's absolutely nuts. He's running a four five one at six four. Yeah, and and that when you have options like that, I mean, who knows? Maybe ultimately they don't play him at quarterback. They could, he could. I mean, that right there is wide receiver capabilities right there. Yeah. Uh, but at the wide receiver position, they bring in another freshman, Anthony Schwartz. From day one, this is the fastest man in college football. Nice. So next weekend, on Saturday, if y'all want to watch someone, the fastest man in college football, just go ahead and turn on the Auburn game. It's the fastest person you'll see for a long time. Uh, he's going to be in the Olympics. Okay. Uh, he he's went to American Heritage High School. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but... That's a big time program coached by Pat Sertain. He's played for the Miami Dolphins. Okay. And uh, they're a big time program. Uh, he has a defensive coordinator, which is Chad Wilson. You may know Quincy Wilson, the NFL for the Colts. Yeah. Marco Wilson currently. Those are brothers, those are his sons. They develop players out there. And that's where Schwartz is from. He was a four star recruit. Uh, but like I said, monster speed demon. He's. So I'm guessing he ran track in high school. Oh, he ran track in high school. He's going to run track at Auburn as well. That was, Florida was really into the recruiting with him, and part of the reason was because he liked the Florida track program. Florida's, you know, really, really good in track and field, and so that kind of caught his eye. But he ultimately went for Auburn because they allowed him to do both as well. But he's definitely – So Florida, I guess, wasn't going to allow him to do both. He was going to be able to do both, but I guess he just – I mean, he fired the coach and everything like that. He had a strong relationship with the McElwain regime, so – and you start getting rid of coaches. Well, here, here it comes back to slap you in the face again. <laughs> the McIl- the McIlwain train. So, moving down from there, I'm guessing you have uh, or this one. This one's kind of up in the air in different different places you look. Uh, I've seen LSU. I've seen Mississippi State. I've seen Texas A&M. Who you got here third? 
I got Mississippi State. Uh, only question is, what exactly is this offense going to look like? You got uh, Joe Moore. Is it Joe Moorhead? Is that his name? Moorhead? Sure. Their coach, yeah. Yeah. You got Joe Moorhead coming from Penn State. All right. He coached a once-in-a-lifetime type player while he was at Penn State. And now, is he really as good of a coach, offensive mind, as we think? Or Shaquan Bartley was just that good to make him look and better. And the quarterback wasn't bad either. Yeah, they, yeah, exactly. Now, he's stepping into a situation where he has a good quarterback, Nick Fitzgerald, but he suffered that nasty injury last year. How prepared is he? And <coughs> Penn State wasn't really that type of offense that Nick Fitzgerald was listen, used to. So are we going to look at a team that's all of a sudden going to have a pocket passer? Are we gonna, is Nick Fitzgerald going to have to learn to drop back, three-step, five-step drop and throw? You know, he, he's used to read options. All of a sudden, you're switching offense on them. So, I yeah, it, it's it that I could definitely see where you're coming from on that. They ended up nine and four last year, four and four in the SEC, and they kind of have their record pretty close to that this year, nine and three, five and three in, in Athlon. Um and they have them actually finishing. So far, you have you, I don't even think you looked at this, but you have the exact same thing that they have on that side so far with uh, Alabama, Auburn, Mississippi State. Yeah, and they a monster defensive line coming back. <laughs> Does it show all three of them coming back? Uh, four, actually. Yeah. Jerry Green, okay, so they Jeffrey, switched their defense to a 4-3. They were a 3-4 last year. Jerry Jerry Green, Jeffrey Simmons, Braxton Hoyt, and Montez Sweat. That last one you mentioned, that's a, that's a player you're going to see on Sundays. Or Montez Sweet. I'm that's, sorry. Yeah, Turner is Sweat. Yeah, you're going to see him on Sundays. He's, he's, a, he's a monster. So, moving down past Mississippi State, who you got next? You got Texas A&M or you got LSU? <laughs> Texas A&M. <laughs> And, and I'm Jimbo Fisher to Texas A&M. And as a Florida fan, I couldn't be happier. I'd rather him be at Texas A&M and we play him once every four years or whatever it is than Florida State and play him every single year. Uh, you know, he's he's a great quarterback guru, uh, good, offense, good offensive mind, awesome recruiter. I mean, Florida State's yeah. recruiting took off under him, and I have no reason to think that in the state of Texas with all that Texas talent – I mean, he closed out pretty well last year in recruiting. He figured he only took over in, you know, December, late December, early January. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> this magazine has them uh, sixth in the SEC behind Georgia, Bama, Auburn, Florida, LSU. Not bad teams to be behind for a guy that took over yeah. after the season. And, and they'll get a lot better. I mean, like I said, they're they're – the hotbed of Texas recruiting now, you know. So that's well, a, I don't I, – And he's you got – You can't go past uh, Texas. With with Herman because Herman I think is gonna is, I can't wait to see the battles between them for recruits now. Yeah, well, and he also has his ties to Florida, being a Florida State yeah. so long, so he he's gonna have quite a bit of. I mean, it's so crazy to think about the state of Florida, how so many good athletes come out because Louisville gets players from there all the time. I mean, you think of just one huge one that comes to mind is Teddy Bridgewater. Or Lamar, Lamar Jackson. Jackson. Yeah, uh, I mean, there's so many players. Then you think of people like Amari Cooper. A lot of them aren't even ending up at Florida schools, and they're still the Florida schools are still ridiculously good. Yeah, that's. I mean, is there a better state as far as football talent than Florida? I would say Florida's one, but I would say Georgia's really creeping up into that. Uh, Georgia's whole structure. Has changed. I mean, they're basically their high school programs are run like in a NFL type situations. I mean, they their off season conditioning programs are just unreal. These Georgia football players are coming in, and they're grown men that are ready to play from day one. Yeah. 
So yeah, I, I I just thought about that because you think back to the not to bring this up, just think about the best team we've had in recent history would be the team that beat you guys in the Sugar Bowl, Eli Rogers, which was what played with Lamar and Amari Cooper. Uh, I mean, though that's two right there, three players right there. They're just ridiculously good players, and we had that team was full of of Florida players. Yeah, and you think about it that. How many of these do Florida miss? Has Florida missed on, and because of Jimbo Fisher being at Florida State and yeah, that and the, the two coaching changes. Yeah, it's 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 crazy to see. So moving down after, uh, unless you got more to say about Texas A and M or or you just you no, they're they're, they're going to be solid. They'll be decent. I don't expect too much from them year one. So you think that's the team of the future, kind of like. Uh, maybe what Tennessee is maybe building towards. Exactly. Yeah. Except they're probably a little further along. Start. They got a head yeah. start versus what Tennessee's going to. One because you have a coach that's actually coached before as a head coach, and has already. I well, mean, kind of. He kind of brought Florida State uh, back from from being in the dumps as well. Well, Tennessee used to be able to recruit nationwide, and that's yeah. what you know because Tennessee football was huge year. You know, twenty years ago, they're not so big now. So where do they go to get players? They they're not. Their coaches, staffs usually aren't that talented enough. Their team is usually not that talented enough for them to have that appeal where they can just go pick off like, oh, I want this kid from Florida. I want this kid from North Carolina. They don't have that. So that's the Tennessee's main issue is where yeah. they're going to get these recruits from. Yeah. That's, it's not a big-time state for for talent. I'm not going to say they have none, but it's not, you know, they're not Georgia. They're not Florida. They're not Texas, the Texas, California, yeah. the Carolinas. Yeah, I mean, you get Texas A&M, you can have a great player fall into your lap and he'd be under the radar. Exactly. So, next one, we got LSU. And I, I, I know you've been waiting to talk about this one. Um, well, you got Ed Orgeron, and I think his day's a number. You, you know, they fired Les Miles because the offense was broke and it, it wasn't getting better. It actually got worse, it seemed, every year. Um, Ed Orgeron didn't improve that at all. Yeah. I mean, you can look at their box scores, and I'm sure they – it doesn't look like an offensive juggernaut. No. And I'm looking at their scores from last year. They're really they, – they did beat Texas A&M down 45-21, but outside of that, they really don't have any impressive scores. They, they brought in the, the quarterback transfer Joe Burrows from Ohio State, but in doing so, you bring in a quarterback with – you know, who's only got at max two years of eligibility left. They just lost their last two – quarterback commits from not this past class but the two previous so you, all of a sudden your quarterback room's thin so now you got Joe Burrows a transfer who's coming into an offense he's never played in and he tra- he was a late transfer he didn't like do it immediately you know when most people do right after the season yeah. he was late and so how well does that gel I mean bad offense new quarterback it just doesn't sound right um, I see what I don't see LSU. They, they're not, their style of play doesn't allow them to get blown out. You know, it's kind of a put your hand in the dirt, mud. We're gonna pound it out against yeah. each other. But they start off with Miami. I don't. I don't see them winning that. Now I, I do think it'll be close, but I'll see them winning it. Then they get what Southeast Louisiana. Okay, they'll win that. Auburn. Auburn. They won't win that. It's at Auburn. Yeah, it's at Auburn. So right now you're already one and two. They'll win their next two. Louisiana Tech. Ole Miss. Then they go through a stretch where they play Florida, Georgia, Mississippi State, Alabama. That's four straight losses. And Alabama, once they get creamed by them, Ed Orgeron's out. 
you'll you'll be looking at a team that's three and six, possibly missing a bowl game. Yeah, but that's still a job you want. It's and maybe someone. I feel like someone big is going to go to LSU if that happens. Yeah, and I don't understand how they didn't get someone big the last time. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Ed Orgeron became the when they fired Les Miles. Ed Orgeron came in and was the uh, interim, in, yeah. the interim head coach, and he did didn't really do anything to prove that he was worth, you know, keeping that job. And lo and behold, he's still there, and they're not any better. No, they've actually gotten worse. They've actually gotten, I feel like, a lot worse. And, and they've done it with a lot of talent. Here's the, here's the thing, the real big issue with Louisiana. When Les Miles was there, if there was a big recruit in the state of Louisiana, they did not get out the state. Players in Louisiana are getting out the state now. Uh, I know a couple just committed to Florida. I know some are going to Florida State. You're, they're starting to lose their big guns in Louisiana. And once you start losing that, it's time for a change. Yeah, and... Yeah, that, that's definitely going to make – because Louisiana is another state that's very good in football as well. And you start losing those good players in the state, and like you said, yeah, it's time for you to go, but it's also going to hurt your program in the long run. So moving down to uh, six or seven, do you have Ole Miss or you got Arkansas? I have Arkansas six, Ole Miss seven. And there's not really much to say about these guys. They're, they're both going through coaching changes. I believe Ole Miss actually isn't going through a coaching change. They just decided to keep the interim. Yeah, Matt Luke, who was yeah, 66 they, last year. Yeah, they kept the interim. They, but the thing with Ole Miss is, I don't think I don't think he's a bad. Matt Luke's a bad coach. But you take away Shea Patterson, you take away Van Jefferson. You're, you're losing. You're probably your two most productive offensive players. So, you went from a six and six team to. What are you working with now? Yeah, I mean, Arkansas has got a guy in his first year who's got a career record of 14-22, and and they're returning six offensive starters and seven defensive starters. So, I mean, from a team that went four and eight. I mean, (laughs) it doesn't really look good for either one of those teams. Um, But, I mean, you got to mention their names because they're in the SEC. So, (laughs) this is an SEC preview, so you got to at least mention them. So, we both, I'm guessing, are, are you, you're going with Georgia, Alabama, SEC championship. Yeah. So is that what you're going to go with? Absolutely. <clears throat> Who do you think wins player of the year in the SEC? Player of the year in the SEC uh, right here, now? I'll tell you what, we'll go offensive and defensive. Uh, offense, I'm going to go Tua. Uh, I think he's as good as he was advertised coming out of high school. Uh, he's got a lot of weapons at his disposal. Uh Sky's the limit for him. I mean, when you can, when you have the running ability he has and the the arm. I mean, we you saw his arm the last play against Georgia. Yeah. I mean, he threw a strike. Should have been. He just took a sack for fifteen yard loss, and he throws a strike the next play for fifty yards and win the national championship. Yeah. The guy's got guts. I mean, just I don't know of any true freshman that could just come in at halftime of a national championship, be down thirteen to zero, and just lead the team to a victory against a stout Georgia defense like that. So here's the question: then. Do you think? You think Snell's in the running for Player of the Year in the SEC? No, I I do think he'll lead lead the league in rushing, but I just don't think Kentucky's going to be good enough to to make it to be Player of the Year. I feel like you've got to be carrying a team to victories. Yeah. I don't think he's Benny Snell's going to be very good. He's going to get a lot of yards. I don't see him getting many touchdowns. I don't see the offense moving as well as they would if they had a, a proven quarterback. Yeah, and I I don't see the wins coming so. I, I can't see him getting player of the year. All right, so who do you think is going to be defensive player of the year? Defensive player of the year, 
And right now, I like Matt Wilson a lot. Uh, linebacker, Alabama. He had a pretty good year last year. He was beat up a little bit. If he comes back healthy, he could, he, he'll he be the leader of that defense. And then, who you, who's, you talked a lot about a lot of freshmen here. You got any freshmen people to look out for? Um, I actually got – well, I had George Zamir White, but like I said, he tore his ACL. Uh, I do have two, and they were actually teammates in high school. They went to American Heritage. They were teammates of Anthony Schwartz, the track guy. Okay. Um, Tyson Campbell, he was the he was the number two ranked corner in the country. He comes in at 6'3", 180, physical, coached up. I mean, they, they these guys from American Heritage come to play. If you get a corner from American Heritage, just slide them into day one starter. <laughs> Florida did it and worked out for them. They're Quincy Wilson's in the NFL start for the Colts this year. So who who is uh, who is he going to play for? Georgia University Georgia. of Georgia. Okay. Yeah. Um, the other one, Pat Sertain. You know, Tyson Campbell's six three one eighty. He's the smaller of the two because this guy's six two two hundred, a Jeez. cornerback, freshman cornerback. Um, Pat Sertain Jr.'s dad played in the NFL for the Dolphins. I said came from American Heritage, physical, sound technique. I mean, this is a grown man playing ball. They, Alabama has a – he plays for Alabama. And they have another another guy, Ayabi Anoma. And if you saw the Under Armour game, he was the one that was second quarterbacks left and right. The guy only played football for like two years, I think. Yeah. He came from overseas originally. played football for two years. And next thing you know, he moves up the charts, the recruiting rankings, goes to all these camps, ends up in the Under Armour game. By the end of it, he's the number six overall recruit in the country. <laughs> That's nuts. And so he, when you got a guy like that who's so raw he, and he's he, he's a physical freak of nature, just wait till he gets the sound technique. <clears throat> so I, I like I like him a lot too. And I, I Florida, Jacob Copeland, he hurt his knee, so he's going to miss some time, but he's going to be a stud wide receiver. Uh, but I like Trey Dean. He's going to play corner safety for Florida. Um, wiry, rangy guy. They got him out the state of Georgia, and I just spoke how these guys from Georgia, they come in ready to play with the way their high school programs are built now. And uh, He's going to get a shot to play some safety. He'll definitely slide into the nickel. Maybe he won't play the actual nickel. He'll come in when the nickel formation. He'll probably slide outside since he's so big and let someone like Marco Wilson slide in and slide to cover the slot. But he, he's going to be So a if one. you had to pick one of his freshman of the year in the SEC? Pastor Tank Jr. That's your team. Okay, so you all you all heard it. There's your there's your three picks. It's I mean so it's two Alabama players and uh and uh, actually all three all three all three Alabama players actually that's right. So not a bad not a bad selection there. So also who do you think's going to win the Heisman? Two. You think two is going to win the Heisman as a sophomore? I'm going with it. I'm a, I'm I already said who I thought was going to win Heisman on the last one, but I'll say it again. I think it's going to be Bryce Love. Um. And then next, I don't think Tua wins it for another two years. I, I mean, I, when, I he's got so many weapons and so much ability, and he's probably going to play on a team that's going to play for a national title. Yeah, but I think the, I mean, I think Bryce Love wins it this year, and I think Jonathan Taylor wins it next year. And, yeah, and both of them are awesome, awesome yeah, running backs. And I, to be honest with you, we're just reading off paper, and we're. We, heck, we don't know. These three players could come out and just lay an egg the whole season. Yeah, obviously, obviously crazy things happen. I mean, you never know. Maybe, uh, you know, you got these running backs. The quarterback goes down. Next thing you know, I don't know who their backup quarterbacks are. You insert a freshman that's never played. The box stacked even more. These guys end up only rushing for 800 yards. Yeah. yeah I mean, a lot of things can happen. Tua ends up failing, and next yeah. thing you know, hurts. 
back at quarterback. You never know. I mean, you look you're talking at, about eighteen year old kids. Yeah, you look at Lamar winning the Heisman two years ago. Yeah, there were some people that had him on the radar, but I don't think really that many people thought he was going to win the Heisman two. No, years I don't ago. think he was really on the radar till he did the spin move against uh, sorry Syracuse. Well, no, a lot of people <laughs> mentioned him. It was actually the commentator you were talking about. You were at the game in Nashville against Texas A&M, right? Yeah. They mentioned it. You probably said it because you were at the game. They mentioned on there after, like, fourth quarter, they were like, this guy is definitely a Heisman contender next year. <laughs> so, I think that's kind of when he got on people's radar was at that game. Cause, I mean, the dude just went off against a ridiculous Texas A&M defense who had the eventual number one pick in Miles Garrett. And, I mean, who, there's always going to be one guy that comes out of nowhere that jumps in the Heisman race. Like last year, I kind of felt like I, maybe Bryce Love got the pub the year before. I don't. Bryce Love kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah, he was definitely. He was he was throwing up games that were ridiculous too. If you haven't seen Bryce some of Bryce Love's stats, go back and look at Bryce Love's like first half of the season stats, and you're gonna be like, "Is this dude playing a video game?" Like it's it. Was, I saw it. I didn't believe it. I was like, "This is nuts." So he, he's going with Tua. I didn't realize that you were such a Tua homer. I'm not really a t- – trust me, I would love for Alabama to fall flat on their face, the yeah. program to get stuck in the mud and Florida just surpass them and take all the recruits. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't care what they do after game one, but I hope they do that in game one. <laughs> I don't care what they do. I don't care if they go on and win the national title. If we beat them in game one, hey, you know what I'm saying? Hey, we beat the national champions. Yeah. I, I don't see it happen. Yeah, I'm def- I wouldn't say I'm necessarily to a homer. I just really I just really believe in his ability. And, I, and they – Alabama has continually put people in positions to succeed. I mean, yeah. they won a national championship with Greg McElroy. You know, they constantly won these championships with quarterbacks that can't throw that well or they're not mobile, but they found ways to develop an offense around them that, that could meet, you know, that could meet their tools. They, I'm just glad you're not dogging on A.J. McCarron because this girl was so bad. <laughs> they used to show her in the stands and just be like, well, at least he's winning in some aspects of the game. <laughs> And so, now, I, I, if I'm all for Georgia bringing back AJ McCarron, Florida dominated him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, John, I thank you again for coming on. You got you got a beef or anything that you want to bring up with anything? No, I, I just have beef for Florida State. I just this is Florida State. Yeah. You got that. Out. You got those demons out a little bit, a little bit ago. So, John, I thank you for coming on. Always good stuff, man. Hey, you'll definitely. I mean, you already know we talk every day. You, me, and Tony do. So, I mean. You already know the stuff that's going to happen on here, but you'll be on here again. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, man, always. So, guys, keep liking, keep sharing. It's another long one. Uh, so, I'm, I'm hoping you guys, especially some of the Kentucky fans, because we dove into Kentucky longer than what I thought we would, even though you're a but. I Try to give I, the people what they want. Yeah. If gotta, there's Kentucky fans listening. Yeah, you got <laughs> to give the people what they want. I th- there's a lot of good stuff in this. There was, I I mean, I learned a lot more today about the SEC, and that's the reason why I'm doing it with people that are fans of teams in the conference. I learned a lot about the Big Ten last week. Yeah, I learned listening to that one. <laughs> yeah, so there, there's a lot of stuff that I've been learning from these of players that I, that I hadn't heard of. A lot of those freshmen you read off, I'd never heard their names. So to see some of these teams like Florida, I mean, I know you talk about Florida all the time, but it's like us talking about Louisville and like how much of that stuff can you really take. And then you look at the at the, the paper, on paper – Florida could be a scary team, so it's it's definitely gonna be a it's college football. It's always gonna be fun. Oh yeah, I love it. My favorite. I, lo- I love college football. College basketball is still up there, but college basketball is, or college football is just under. I love college basketball. So guys, keep liking, keep sharing. Hopefully you enjoy this episode. I don't know why you wouldn't because this was a lot of good stuff in here. So uh, 
keep listening and uh, tell me what you guys think about this SEC preview later.